So welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored by Alltag. And thanks, as always, to our supporting partners, 3X Logic, Aura, Lodge and Intrepid. Now, my guest this week is Matthew Swanepoel. Now, Matthew is a head of product development at Script Technologies based in South Africa. Now, he brings a unique combination of experiences and qualifications to his role as founder and managing director of Script Technologies, a solid educational foundation in financial management and strategic branch management. Matthew has developed a keen understanding of fiscal prudence and brand development, a very, very good suite of skills indeed. Now, former career as a professional racing driver where he represented brands including Porsche, Lamborghini and BMW instilled him with a drive for performance and precision. Now, um, go and Google this man. There is lots of fascinating things on the internet about him. Um, today, Matthew guides Script Technologies with an unwavering dedication to excellence and perfection, steering the company on its course of continued success and innovation. Matthew, welcome. Thank you, Paul. It's good to be here. And uh, yeah, I think this is not our first time speaking, so looking forward to what today brings. Yeah, and it's interesting. I uh, I often just like to pop onto LinkedIn or Google uh, guests before I, I speak. And, uh, you know, you have got a really interesting and, and diverse background. And, and one of my questions I normally like to start off with is, you know, background, career to date. What did young Matthew want to do as a boy growing up? But I'm guessing it perhaps had motorsport and, and cars in it as the dream scene as you actually managed to fulfill that bit. Yeah, that was it growing up. I had this uh, sort of love for machinery and, and, and speed. And I think putting the two together into motorsport made a lot of sense at the time. Um, you know, I was involved in that since I was six years old. Um, and then, you know, in 20, 2019, early 2020, I sort of really phased out of it and entered my this new path that I'm on now. But uh, I think it was a good, good path to be on. Learned a lot. Um, and I think, you know, one always has to ask or people always ask, you know, how do you take motorsport and into the business world? And I think it's, I see it more and more obviously every day. I mean, it's a, it's a team sport, both in, in business and, and, and motorsports. And, you know, if you can take that precision and that self-discipline and, you know, that's those skill sets that you learn around the motorsport itself and, and apply to business, I think it's, it's a good fit. So yeah, motorsports and, you know, every kid's formula, every kid's dream is to become a Formula One driver. Of course, you know, sometimes things go a bit different, um, but for sure, learned a lot in the process and uh, yeah, here I am today. Well, I have to say, super impressed. So uh, I too wanted to be a Formula One driver growing up. Um, I did manage to get into motorsport. I, I peaked in sort of the, the national level, uh, rattling uh, Alfa Romeos around the UK uh, in the, oh goodness me, the late 90s and various bits and pieces. But um, the, the the brands that I worked for, let's just say they they weren't as prestigious as yours. Mine were, uh, I don't will Proton be offended if I name check yeah. them? Uh, <laughs> Lotus was was probably the pinnacle of, of, of mine. So, uh, but yeah, very, very impressive. So how did you make the transition from motorsport? Where was the first business activity? And then give me a few steps through to where we are today in script. So Paul, just to give you a bit of a background where it, where it sort of came from and what caused that transition. I mean, I was doing 150, 160 flights a year uh, in my final years uh, when I was doing the global driving experiences with Porsche. And it just got a bit too much, to be honest. And I wanted that stability. And and I really wanted to sort of use what I'd studied at the time because the parents were very much like, no studying, no racing. So I I, I didn't did fulfill my studies. 
Um, and uh, I think if I look back, I, I mean, I started my first business in sort of grade eight, grade nine at, at school, little technologies company with a friend um, selling to, to, to classmates and teachers. And uh, <laughs> actually went back onto that Facebook page the other day and had a good laugh. Um, and then, uh, yeah, my father was involved in the telecom space. Um, and, uh, you know, I spent a few months seeing what they were doing in, in their business and that, and, you know, trying to look into, you know, I wanted to start my own thing. That was always my, my dream um, when it came to the business world. Um, but, you know, understanding the, the telecommunication space in a bit more detail and then starting to, you know, I investigated really everything. I mean, from, you know, um, how can I put it? Healthcare to, um, you know, packaging to everything else in between. Um, and what really stuck with me is, is finding a recurring revenue model. Uh, and I think in the telecom space, I sort of had a background, obviously growing up in, in, in amongst that environment. Uh, and then, yeah, just started somewhere. I initially came in with the mindset of, oh, I've got to find something different. I've got to find something that no one's ever done before. But that comes along the way. You know, sometimes you've just got to actually start, even though if other people are doing it, how can you do it a bit differently and, and then move forward from there? And then soon enough, you, you know, like where we find ourselves now is you find your niche and you, you just start to grow from there. And so for those that don't know script technologies, explain a little bit about the business and the nature of the solutions that you provide for the risk and LP industry, because you've kind of settled now, haven't you, on 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 that niche in your space? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, look, like I said, it, it, things evolve over time. I mean, where we started to where we are today in a, in a four year space is, is very different. Um, you know, I could not have seen it four years ago going in this in this route. But I mean, as you get exposed to more within the market and, and more opportunities, you start to open yourselves up to them. So what Script Technologies really is all about, we, we're a software as a service business is, is our core, but we do have, you know, obviously a connected hardware offering. So in the form of devices, be it, you know, smart devices, or smartphones or tablets or, you know, body-worn cameras, obviously being the, the main focus within the, the retail space, um, or, you know, even your vehicle cameras. Um, and so we basically take that hardware and um, link it with, with our software um, and put the two together to form a solution for the customer. We've really just got one central uh, platform, if you want to call it that, that everything it plugs into. So we can go to a customer and we can you know, basically do a full 360 in terms of um, our product offering. So they might, you know, for their vehicles, might need our vehicle camera systems for their Personnel, they might need our, our body camera systems or our communication systems or our digital workflow systems or whatever it may be. Um, so, you know, we, we, we've managed to put an offering forward that cannot just cover you know, sort of one area of a customer's business, but can extract more value from that customer and, and make sure that we take as much as possible and offer as much as possible going forward so that they, you know, working with integrated solutions rather than single suppliers. Yeah, and so I guess your the intention is, do you normally go in people buy one product from you and then realize that you've got all these extra suite and they just keep adding it on. Is that, is that how it grows? Yeah. I actually had a conversation yesterday. It's quite, it's always quite interesting having those conversations is, is, is you, you're pitching something to a customer or something customers coming to you and they're looking for one specific thing. And, you know, you just start to have the discussion and, you know, what about this or what about that? And, you know, they're asking, can you guys do this? Can you guys do that? by the time you're done with the conversation, you realize that actually we're plugging into a lot more areas for this customer and they've perhaps got a few more pain points than what the discussion started off with. So I would say generally we go to a customer, often it's, it's you know, it's after the first discussions or the first sort of phase of the deal, we're walking with, you know, a couple solutions, 
but by the time that you know six months down the line generally they've, they've taken a lot more um or you know in those cases where it's just a single solution they do end up taking more at the time so fortunate um, to have that you know ability to do that for the customer and to bring them greater value than just a single solution offering i think it's against us quite well yeah i guess that's great validation as well so you know clearly doing a good enough job with the first bit that they're happy to add more on so i guess you must be doing something right so look you know what are the key elements of your day-to-day because talking to you you're clearly a man that likes to take on lots and keep busy but what aspects you know what takes up the bulk of your time providing these services into the risk and lp sector when matthew sits down in the morning opens the laptop up i mean what does your day look like clearing out the emails from the <laughs> night before um so um yeah yeah we, we, we we've got a, a good operation because we haven't just got an operation here in south africa but we've got one in singapore and china as well um so generally in the mornings it's clearing out um you know and seeing what, what those teams are up to um before kickstarting my day um if I have to, you know, speak in general and and focus on the, the risk and LP, but later, generally it's, you know, I think you gave me a very nice introduction there. Thank you, Paul. Um, but uh, generally, it's a, you know, general overall guidance um, to the company dealing with any any pressing matters. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm quite quite involved in terms of the product development side still in the business. I've I believe I've got a, a good eye to see what's coming and, and where where we need to be heading in terms of product offerings. Um, so I still remain quite involved in that and seeing what's happening on the ground with our sales teams or our support teams. And I think that allows me to expose myself to a lot of you know opportunities. Um, and apart from you know just the, the LP and risk side is and that's obviously in the private space. We do have the public sector as well, which is a is a, a good part of our business as well. So. To be honest, it's juggling a lot, um, but uh, it's 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 now more more on the high level stuff um, and overseeing rather than necessarily just being involved like it was at the start. But I guess if you're um, still involved in you know product development, then you know I was going to ask you about the specific challenges and projects that you're focusing on right now. What are retailers asking for from an LP and risk? You know, people processes. You're probably the you know. Have you still got your finger on the pulse as they would say if you're involved in development talking to customers you know what what are people asking you for you know for what's sure. the interest at the minute for sure yeah look uh, paul i think if you look at it between different countries it's a different set of problems um i mean if we look at ten, they're all similar in some sense but you know they're all different in other senses i mean if we look at what our customers in tanzania are requiring um or perhaps ghana versus you know, and, and looking at, say, the, the, the type of theft there or, you know, the type of risks that they're facing in that environment um, versus here in South Africa, it's two different ballgames. Um, but generally, it all amounts to a, a similar thing is, is with our solutions, people are looking to mitigate their losses. Uh, and, you know, we know for a fact that, that they work. I mean, we've got countless, you know, solid cases that, that we can prove that off. And we always say is the proof is in the pudding, you know, take the product, test it, and you will see results. It's not like we have to come and really push a, push a hard sell and is, is take it and use it and test it. But for us, it's, it's we seeing just the need for more accountability um, and, and efficiencies in the space. I, I think here in South Africa, there's still a huge manpower element um, within the space. And controlling that element and controlling the risks that are around that element is is really where we we focus um and predominantly on on the theft side i mean and, and the video space i think our, our our solutions with a video 
component or offering uh, for accountability on what really thrive in, in, in the retail space. And, and is that where the big, that's the growth at the minute? That's where the inquiries are coming from? And I guess you get one customer, somebody else sees it. Is it sort of, is that where the snowball effect is at the minute? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, and it's, it's, it's always quite interesting to see the commodities, um, be it pharmaceuticals or be it, you know, uh, basic fuels or, um, you know, just normal trading goods. Um, it's, it's interesting to see how, how things are progressing and, and, and where it does spread fast in this industry. Uh, you know, you always look at it and you think, Oof, this, this is a, a mighty big industry, but actually it's a, it's a, it's a very connected um, industry and, and people talk. And so I always say to the guys is you need to, you need to use your network, get out there and use your network because people and word of mouth is sometimes the best selling tool. Um, so yeah, we have had great success in terms of word of mouth, word of mouth, and uh, it's allowed us to grow without having to put in that, those hard yards necessary in some instances where people are coming to you rather than you necessarily going to the person. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't matter how big the industry is. There's always retailer A will check in with retailer B just to get their take on the solution, find out who's using it as well. So yeah, you've always got to be mindful of using those networks, haven't you? Because on one side, it's big. And then the other side, there might be two, 300 people that are the core of decisions and new opportunities. So uh, yeah, got to be careful not to upset anybody. You know it all too well, Paul. <laughs> so look one of the things we, we hear from time and time again is is how to get influence and you're clearly the man that's uh, used to get in his own way i'd suggest so having worked closely with various stakeholders in the lp and risk field what have you learned about sort of influencing decision makers to invest in these tools and solution what's your top tips you know what should be avoided i mean do you find yourself coaching people when they've made inquiries to get budget or trials Paul, I think it's a good question, and I think it's very relevant these days because everyone is trying to get in everywhere. Look, competition is fierce. I mean, especially here in South Africa, I think we've got a very innovative and uh, a very resilient um, market in, in which you know service providers are, are, are selling into. And things are things are tricky. Things are tough because there's, there's a lot of us, and there's there's only so many clients, and so you've really got to make sure that you put your best foot forward at all times. I think if I had to Put together some words of advice is 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 sometimes you just have to listen and really hear what that customer's pain points are and, and not just go there and saying you know we can do x y and z i think that's a big thing is, is listen to those pain points because often that opens your ears or your eyes to other opportunities as well rather than just what you're there for um but i think it's 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 understanding where they're at seeing where they're key sort of problems are because that allows you to come forward with a solution that's perhaps not just you know you're not just selling one element of, of your solution or you know it allows you to come with a, a better approach a broader approach to a customer's problems and if you can understand the market you're selling into and know what you're talking about i always say that that says a lot um about uh, you know in a, in a sales environment um because if you don't know what you're talking about and, and you're really trying to educate yourself every time uh, you know, guys will doubt you, doubt you as to how much experience or, or value that you can add in, into the space. So I always say is, can you can you add value? In, and this is in terms of influencing these decision makers is, can you add value and solve their problems? I think that's the first thing that one needs to ask. And secondly is, can you make them look good? Because, you know, everyone needs to look good. They've got reports and targets and, and KPIs to, to meet. They've got to make sure that, you know, if they, you know, head of, 
risk or loss or whatever it may be, they've got to look good at the end of the day. And if you can help them in that process, I mean, then it speaks to exactly what they what they're wanting. For every type of business, the power of a data-driven security video management system designed to give you total control anywhere, anytime, 3X Logic. Yeah, I think it's a really uh, interesting point. And I'd say something that lots of people forget to hone in on. But if somebody's putting you forward as a solution in their business, you know, that's got the potential to curtail their career if it goes wrong as well. So you know, they've got to feel they can trust you. So it's the whole thing about selling with your ears, isn't it? And uh, listening to to what they need, because you're right. And it's the reason why you know, often, particularly, I always think the big accountancy firms continue to get the work or certain vendors get solutions because nobody ever got fired for appointing a KPMG or an Accenture. Sorry to name check those. Where there's firms that could do a better job can we say that you know an equally good job for for, yeah. for a lower price and you know I, I think as a vendor it's really important to understand understand those pain points and very rarely do I hear anybody actually say it because it's here's the brochure here's the product and there might be 12 people that want their product that product that you've got but they'll all want a slightly different version of it um for their own solution so uh, yeah you keep banging that drum I think uh yeah, if a few more people listen to you there'd be a, a a lot more happy projects being rolled out for sure no excellent yeah that's you hit the nail on the head therefore i think the accountancy firm is a firm one's a good example um it's, it's exactly that and it's that, that trust and that yeah. that recognition that that comes with the brand as well but i mean that opens a whole different uh, discussion but it's exactly that yeah it is so look out of interest if you were to sit there and you were advising somebody is there one particular solution or technology that you say to your clients in LP or risk, you cannot do without this? What, what's, what's the magic that seems to be the most effective? Oof, you've got me, you've got me thinking here. Um, I think it depends on the space Paul. You know, here it's, 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 the sets of problems differ so, so greatly between, um, between, you know, sectors of, of the industry. Um, it would be tough to say this is it. This is your, your, your you know, your go-to. But I, I believe what you know what we're going to be pushing at retail risk this year is our vehicle camera solutions and our body-worn cameras. Uh, again, it speaks to the video space and accountability. But I still believe it is so relevant. Uh, it's certainly in our market here locally, um, and I know it's in other markets as well. I mean, it's a growing industry globally um, for, for demand for the, these kind of products, uh, and I believe those two solutions with a strong and well-planned execution and that it's properly followed through. I mean, you know, everyone can put projects in, in, in place, but they don't, there's no follow through and it, it falls apart and doesn't add that value. But I think if you've got the right person championing it, championing it uh, and pushing through, I believe that's where the big value add comes. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, we, you know, we run retail risk conferences on five continents and I have to say retailers around the world, body-worn cameras certainly is in the top three uh interest trials you know where the spend's going and you know i have to say south african retailers very challenging market but i yeah you know, i always say some of the most innovative 
uh, robust and, uh, and and just downright creative retailers on the planet, I have to say, um, and to make a profit uh, and to provide a great experience. But yeah, I think you're right to call Body Worn. That is a as a as a global go to at the moment, along with another couple of things that that sort of resonate around the world. So yeah, I think you, yeah your, your timing's right, your product's right, and uh, and and you alluded to retail risk there and delighted you're going to be joining us at the radisson blue i've got a name check it there at the 14th of september for our what is our second retail risk cape town this year after the first one went so well so really pleased that uh, that you'll be there uh talking to people and uh, presumably you'll have some tech on site as well if people want to come and have a look yeah paul we're looking we're looking really forward to it i mean getting down to cape town again it's been a few years since i was down there um, so that's uh, the first plus. And then obviously, you know, getting to meet yourself and the rest of the team and, and uh, you know, the attendees from retail, well, they're coming to retail risk and, and exhibiting what, you know, what we have on offer. And, and I think it's also, it's not just us coming there to do sales, as it were. I think it's, it's going to be a huge learning curve for us as well. I mean, to be bringing, bringing all the industry experts into, into one place on, on a single day and uh, everyone applying their minds. I, I truly believe it's going to be a, an exceptional experience that, you know, we had the call last week and I said, it's a no brainer for us to be doing this. It really is. Um, I can't think of, you know, any other, other better events that uh, takes place in South Africa where we can get this type of opportunity uh, to be able to you know, get in front of these decision makers and to actually educate ourselves even more on the industry. I'm yeah, super excited and I think it's going to be a fantastic time. Yeah, we, we've got some terrific local speakers and uh, we always like to bring in some international expertise as well. And we had uh, an amazing turnout of uh, South African retailers earlier in the year and uh, we've already surpassed uh, that number uh, and we've still got a couple of months to go. So, Fantastic. yeah, looking forward to that one very much. Now, look, final question. Looking at the, you know, let's focus on South Africa, the retail industry in terms of new channels to market, store openings, things that navigating. When you sit there with your script technologies hat on, how do you continue to service that? What do you need to do to adapt? You know, how do you see the market going? Is it going to stabilize? Is there more challenges coming? Do you see greater demand for, for your products? What's your sort of take on the world at the moment? I think if we look at um, South Africa, the, in general at the moment, it's it, it requires a lot of resilience to be here. I mean, we've got... A multitude of challenges, the obvious one being load shedding. And I think that's, if I just read of what, of what the impact of that is in retail, then I mean, you see the impact on a, on a daily basis. I, I think it's going to really push, um, you know, those involved in the industry to, to really relook at where, you know, other losses can be prevent, prevented. I mean, load shedding is really something that's out of most people's hands at the moment. So, I mean, yes, we're bringing in renewable energies and, and solutions, but it's a big cost. I think if, you know, what we're going to probably see in the markets at the moment is where can we reduce a bit of, of, of costs here and there, be it on losses, be it, you know, on accountability, be it people and, and processes, whatever. Um, I think there's going to be a, a, a bit more focus on those areas. And I hope to see that um, at retail risk later this year. And it's something that we definitely will, will, will push on. Um, but I, I believe that, you know, our current approach on, on, on trying to assist retailers in preventing, you know, particularly the loss part, I think will will continue to just become more and more prevalent. 
Um, I think it's, you know, it's very unfortunate for, for, for you know, everyone in South Africa is affected financially and people do become, a, you know, more desperate and, and, and crime does spike, you know, be it internally, externally. And I think it can only get, you know, worse in, in that sense rather than better. So if we can plug in there and, and provide a solution that tries to deter that or prevent it as much as possible, I think then our value will continue to be recognized and to continue to grow within the space. Yeah, it's a particularly uh, uh, particular quirk, if that's the right word, particular uh, scenario of uh, the South African market. Now, I've been to uh, uh, to Cape Town seven or eight times over the years, so I'm familiar with the load shedding. But come on, we've got an international audience. One or two might have been Googling it. Many people are perhaps aware of it. But give us a run through of what that actually means and what uh, a typical day might look like. So it means us sitting here, Paul, and this happens a lot during a day. You're sitting on a call and either the lights go out or someone just drops off all of a sudden and then they come back and, oh, sorry, load shedding. <laughs> no, we've got, we, we, we call it load shedding. I mean, it's a very friendly name. It's, it's you know, on some of the news channels, they, they uh, call it rolling blackouts because that's really what it is. Um, and we've got, uh, I think, six or eight stages now. I think we've hit stage six, stage seven, if I'm not mistaken, earlier this year. Uh, different stages being, you know, the number of hours we have off during a day. You know, for example, get home tonight from six o'clock till eight o'clock, I've got no power. And then I think in the early hours of tomorrow morning as well, I've got, got no power again. I mean, sometimes it's two hours a day, sometimes it's six hours a day, sometimes it's 12 hours a day. It's just uh, <laughs> where things where things end up being. So, uh, you know, we've learned to turn traffic lights into four-way stops. We've learned to, you know, schedule our, our work routines around cooking at night. Um, it's become a way of life, um, unfortunately. And it's not something that we can just snap our fingers and say it must get fixed it's it's going to take time i believe it all gets fixed um I, I do have that belief but uh it's something that's become a way of life and um something that we need to work with and move forward on i think it will be yeah an interesting experience for some but that's what it is yeah and i do always say to anybody around the world if you think you've got um problems and uh, you know you want to uh, understand what uh, uh, creativity looks like and uh, and trading in different uh, difficult circumstances. Get yourself to to South Africa. Give give Matthew a call. Get him to uh, get him to show you around the retail estates of uh, uh, of what is an amazing country. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it is very very unusual and provides a, a whole different set of challenges. Um, Matthew, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for. Uh, giving us a run through of your expertise and uh, and what it is that Script offer. Uh, I'm really excited to meet you in person at Rita Risk Cape Town. 14th of September uh, is the event. So, uh, but for now, thank you very much indeed. And I will see you in person in uh, a couple of months time. Thank you, Paul. It's been great chatting as always. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to it.